And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Pascal. Paz, how are you doing? Hello, what's up, Gav? Good, good. Um, so, Paz, let's start with the news that Arsene Wenger is finally getting a statue outside of the Emirates. Um, I guess there's a couple of things to uh, to go through here. First off, what's the pose? Yeah, I was I was actually just about to to say that it has to be the beach one, right? Got to be I the mean, beach. The, that was before the Alexis Sanchez. In fact, I think that was the summer when that was probably the time when he was negotiating that deal with Alexis Sanchez because it was over it was, the World Cup, wasn't it? It was a World Cup summer. Yeah, yeah. he was. He was. It has to be. Cup. Has to be. Or one one of the many that he's adjusting his zipper. Well, I was thinking the coat. I was thinking fighting with that big awful coat that he wore. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean you've or got the the, uh, the Christ the Redeemer. Yeah, the Christ the Redeemer one on the on the dugout at Old Trafford. Um, I tell you the one I think they're going to go for. I think they're going to go for him holding up the gold Premier League trophy. That's what I think they'll go for. Would make sense. It's symbolic, obviously. Um, or could be one where he's got his arms crossed of the many that he's had. But I, I think you you have you have to pick a moment, right? So. When you look at the Bergkamp one, it was the uh, one of the, the bringing the ball the down League. at the, was the, that ball down at the sky, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the Champions League, wasn't it? That one. Um, and uh, Henri's obviously is the iconic one against Spurs, and then Adams is the Everton game. So you're right; it's probably something a, a particular moment. Yeah, that we can all remember. Yeah, and it's it's funny because he was here so long that. Like you could do completely different statues, right? Like, do you remember when mm. he joined? He had the Deirdre Barlow glasses, and uh, you know, and they they disappeared, didn't they? Towards the end, first off, we went to the the like slimmer, the slim down gold rim ones, and then the glasses just disappeared completely. He obviously used some of his five hundred grand a week salary to get LASIK or something. Well, you just see how how time developed as well, isn't it? You know, uh, as as we get more and more. As technology develops, you get you kind of see it throughout throughout his tenor as well because uh, laser eye surgery wasn't as big at that time. So obviously, and then those type of glasses, I can't remember. I remember you remember at school when you used to have those people that you can see their their the eyes bottle, being three yeah, the times. Milk bottle glasses. Yeah, yeah. So you have that, and then it progressed a bit thinner, and then you know. But um, yes, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy how long he was there for. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, we what was it for? We we grew up in George Graham's time, but for many, that's all they knew. Yeah, yeah I mean, even insane. even that George Graham, we would have been not quite sixteen, right? By the time mm. he got by when George Graham got sacked, because it was it was March ninety five. So I would have I would have been March ninety five. Yeah, I, I would have been I would have been fifteen. Um, I would have been sixteen later on that year. You're you're same as me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was. So when we won the league, I I started becoming an Arsenal fan eighty seven. So I was nine then. Yeah. Um. So if you think about it, what's this is still crazy. We've been Arsenal fans for 
good on 34, 35 years, right? So what's that? We've had, um, we've, we've only, we've only seen, um, what's that? Five? No. So five got, managers, if you don't count Stuart Houston, which I don't. Right, but you count so we Lundberg? Went, so we went George Graham. Now you can't count Lundberg. So we went George Graham to Bruce Rioch, Arsene yes, Pender, Rioch. Emery, Arteta. You can't count Houston and you can't count Lundberg because they were just care to. Houston was twice, actually, because Houston took over when Graham got sacked. Um, so, yeah, you it's can't. pretty, pretty You know, you think about Chelsea. They had that in about two years. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's mad. I mean, the thing is, though, 21 years of that is, is Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 96 yeah, yeah. to 2017, 2018, was it? So, yeah, 21, 22 years of that is Arsene Wenger. Yeah, that's, crazy. That's mad. You'll, crazy. you'll never see that again. I, no. I, I don't see Arteta still being here in, in 18 years' time, nine, 16 years' time, 17. No, no chance. I mean, it, it's gone incredibly right if he is, but I, I don't see it. Who would you who would you like to see a statue of um, other than Wenger? Obviously, is there an, uh, someone you think there should be a statue of? Um, not going back to the old days, right? Because Herbert Chapman's got the bust and and all that. So I, I don't I don't think you go you go back there. I mean, obviously the the obvious one is probably Rocky. Um, I think that's that's a pretty obvious one you you could do. Um, other than that, you know, I'm. I like the statues, right? I really like it. In fact, I, I I think they could have done it a bit better rather than just being outside the stadium. I think there could have been like a walk of fame type thing mm. where you, you know, make a real thing of it. Um, but I think you've got to, I think you've got to be really, really special to get that statue. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think the, the obvious one is probably Ian Wright. I would say. That, that, that's, that's mine. I think, I think Wrighty, um, for me, that's the one that comes to mind. That, that yeah, and that I'm, honestly, I'm not sure why I don't go to Patrick Vieira. I don't know why because he's the. I think he's the best player I've seen um, at Arsenal. I know Omri and and Adams are incredibly special, point. Yeah. but but Vieira used to just rule games for for a decade. He just ruled the midfield. But my mind doesn't go there when I think statue. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. I think Ian Wright is probably probably the one I would say he's uh he's probably most deserving of it now. But see, I don't mm. think a statue is enough for Arsene Wenger. I just don't think it's enough. I, I think it should be the Arsene Wenger Stadium sponsored by Emirates. I I, I just don't think a statue is enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I it doesn't, you know, for for the things that he's done for the club and the time he was there and what the, especially the first 10 years, what we achieved um, and the football we play, the players we, we've been blessed to see. So um, yeah, the, I think a statue is, is, is a token of appreciation, but sometimes there's a little bit more to it than that. I think don't, don't, um, don't United have the first got stand, stand, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. And Liverpool have got the Kenny Dalglish stand. Yeah, so I mean, he's the most iconic. Yeah, Herbin Chapman maybe as well. George Graham, you can have arguments, but Wenger probably is is the most iconic of all the Arsenal. Yeah, I think so honestly, I think George Graham ruined it by going to Spurs. Is is my honest opinion. I I don't think mm. you could do it now. It's a shame. It, it was an odd shame. move. Yeah, it was. But it was a. It was. It was purely sticking two fingers up to the Arsenal board. 
That was it. That was the only reason for going there because he was so bitter about how it ended at Arsenal. That's the only reason he went there. And I, you know, I think in hindsight, I bet you he wouldn't have done it. I bet you a few years removed, he would not have made that move. And not only that, but he went there and won him a damn trophy. Yeah, yeah, one of the very few (laughs) (laughs) since we've been alive. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, but I think, yeah, I I, honestly, I think in hindsight, looking back, I don't think he'd make that move again if he, like, looking at it from now, I don't... It was also an acrimonious departure as well, wasn't it? Oh, it it was was bad. His last last season was horrendous for us. Yeah, and he didn't feel like he, he... He felt the board should have backed him more. I don't quite know why you, someone who you just stolen 205 grand off should back you. But that's how he felt. He felt the board should have backed him more. And it's, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of stories going around that that was rife in football at that point. Um, I'm, I'm not mentioning names. I don't need to get sued. But there's been plenty of names associated with bungs in the past. So I, I don't know. But it definitely didn't end well. And that's, I think that's why George Graham went there. He went there just purely to stick two fingers up to the Arsenal board. And I just, I just think it's a real, a real shame. Is is but but he's he's one that I do you know we 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 is that that is the one that opened us to Arsenal Football Club. He was the manager that opened the door for me for supporting Arsenal because that's what the the first obviously I the first time I I it was the very early years of supporting them I saw success and it was he was the manager he was the manager he was the young team that we had and. Well, it was everything about George Graham, though, the way he carried himself. He's a good-looking bloke. He was always, always perfectly well turned out. You know, he was he, he was the he was the epitome of an Arsenal man. You know, yeah. the, the blazer was always on. The tie was always perfect. It, it's just what he was. Everything he everything he represented. Um, yeah, it was a polished. So yeah, and I, I think that was it. I mean, it was when he came back as Leeds manager. He came back and we we thumped him three nil actually in his his game back at Highbury, and I remember sitting there and looking over because I used to sit opposite the dugout at that point. I was in the West Stand near the down towards the North Bank end, and um, you remember them old dugouts at Highbury that looked like looked like fucking greenhouses. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, they were weird dugouts. But it, it, I remember just looking at him in the in the away dugout. And it just looked wrong. It just looked mm. weird. Um, and then, like I said, and then he went to Spurs, and that that blotted it. I was glad to see him back though, because it took a long time for him to for him to come back, um, like it did Wenger, really. But it took a long time for him to come back, and I don't think anyone was really sure about Ari, the reception he was going to get because he jumped over at Spurs. But he was, you know, now he's a regular at, at the Emirates. He's he's been on the pitch a few times. Mm. For some of the legend stuff, and I, I'm glad to see that because he does he does deserve to be. Yeah, I 100 percent deserves it, 100. percent Yeah, but I, I just I don't know. I don't think you could. I don't think you could do a, a statue for for George Graham. He's a, he's a, he's a part of the club's history, a very important part of the club's history. But with the Tottenham thing and also the Bung thing, you know, I, I just I don't think you could do a statue for a statue mm. for him. Um, and I think it's. Like I said, I think it has to be, it has to be something that's reserved for the very, very pinnacle, right? Like yeah. you look at it a minute, and we've got Tony Adams, who's arguably the club's most important and greatest ever player, not necessarily footballer, but the greatest ever player. And then you've got Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, who probably are the two greatest ever players. And respect to Alex James, Cliff Bastin, and Liam Brady, but I, I never saw them play. 
So yeah. I can't, you know, I'm not talking about from back then because I, I don't know. I mean, my granddad always, my granddad always loved Alex James, um, but I, I never saw them guys play. So, but I think, you know, with Burkham and Henri, you've got, you've got that. So I think you've got to be at the pinnacle. So as much as I would, I would like to say, you know, Robert Perez meant a lot to me. And I think, you know, but statue, I'm not sure. I think, I think it's also longevity, isn't it? I mean, Omri and Burkamp were there for nearly 10 years, both of them. Um, that's why Vieira is a, quite an interesting one that you mentioned, because he was there for quite for a good on 10 years as well. Adams, as we know, was longer than that. But longevity plays a part because I think, you know, Perez, what we're talking about, four or five seasons, really yeah. the best. Um, um, but the ones that you're talking about were there for a big period of time and consistently good for all of those years. Yeah. Um, and important for us. Yeah. I guess the only other one is uh, the goalie, right? Dave Seaman. Seaman, yeah. Is, is the, uh, is yeah, the, is the yeah, other one. Yeah, that's another one. And that's another one. You got plenty of good poses you could do for that. The save against Peshka Salido, the uh my personal favourite, the penalty saves against Sampdoria, the one where he yeah, up yeah, and claws it out yeah. with his left hand. Yeah, um, I remember so that well. Yeah, so there's plenty of them to choose from there. So I guess, yeah, I guess the goalie's the uh the goalie's the other one. But um yeah. so out of, out of this group, who's gonna get the statue out of this group? I already know your answer. I don't know why I'm asking. Go on, say it. Uh, out of which group, sorry? This group now, the current players. Oh, the current ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, of, of course, I would say I would instantly gravitate towards Saka because. And you're right. You're right. There is only one answer to this. He's really the. He's come from the youth team. He's uh, iconic seven, um, but he's just been outstanding. If but, he you know, stays, if he stays, it's absolutely nailed on. Yeah, it's nailed on. Odegaard, if he stays as well, there's a great chance that he could get in there and uh, yeah. And become- oh. Odegaard no, lifting the uh, lifting the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, and hey, in six seven years' time, we could be talking about Declan Rice as well. Who knows? Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I, I think we've got some very. Um, it, it'd be really good to see from this crop of players who does get to that status, but it will all come down to how long they're there. Yeah. Because if Saka leaves in four years then there'll be arguments about whether you would include that. Same with Odegaard. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same with, with any of them, right? Like, you still have the, you still have the, like, Fabregas retired last week, right? So you've seen all the Twitter things. Is Fabregas an Arsenal legend? A fantastic player. Loved mm. watching him play. I don't think I'm ready to call him a legend. Because he left. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what what is difficult about Fabregas Firstly, we won nothing with mm-hmm. Fabregas. We didn't win a trophy. All of these players that you're mentioning, from Dave Seaman, from Wrighty, from Burkham, Omri, we won. We won stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's one important. Fabregas also left in his prime. He yeah, he was too what? young. He was, was he too young. 24, it's... was it? 24? Yeah, so he left like into his prime when a lot, a lot of our... Are um, you know you you would be hoping would stay longer than I'd say he's definitely one of the the great players, but I wouldn't put him in legendary status at all. Especially no. when you got Vieira in that list and yeah. players like that. I know? think until this crop, I think Fabregas was probably the best player of the Emirates era. Mm. It was him or Van Persie, I think. Mm. Until this crop, I, I think that um, I think Saka's going to Saka and Odegaard are, 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 are right there if they haven't overtaken them already. The crazy thing about both of them, and Saka in particular, is the age. 
Yeah. You forget he's 21. I know you've got to mm-hmm. kind of remind yourself he's so young. And we're talking about someone already in that category. You know, Henri resigned when he was 22, 21, I think. Um, you know, we, we were signing players at that time, but they were nowhere where Saka was at that level. And you you mentioned it about Ronaldo, how many goals he had scored at that age. So, well, you know, who knows where we'll be in four or five years. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. But like we said, it's good to see Arsene Wenger getting the yeah, statue. It is, it is definitely deserved and it will be uh, well worth watching that, that ceremony when they... And seeing more as well that. and seeing more... Yeah, I know, hope so. I hope yeah, so. I, hope I, think even, I, I think Arteta has even said the door's open and he'd love him to be there more, but he's kind of, I guess it was ac- slightly acrimonious. I, I think that's kind of, of, I think that's kind of done now though. I think that's water under the bridge mm. now. It, it does seem that way. And I mean, I'm sure there's still a little bit of feeling there, but you know, he loves it coming back. And yeah, you know, it was, it's kind of perfectly timed now because all these players are gone. Right, there's there's mm-hmm. no one there's no one left now. All these players are gone. So you've had enough buffer, enough time passed where he can. Me and Jazz were talking about this on a pod last week. Yeah. I think Ferguson hanging around at Man United is a problem. I think it's a real problem for them. And I always bring up that in uh in I've heard a few of the Liverpool players from the end of the Paisley, uh from the start of the Paisley area after Shankly, they were saying that Shankly would turn up at a training ground every day. And it undermined what Bob Paisley was trying to do. And mm. eventually they they had to say to him, you, you can't keep doing this. And I think Ferguson, although he might not be at Carrington every day, he's at every single match. And I think that's got to be a problem. Having having a figure like that looming over has to be a problem. And Arsene Wenger never did that. No, no. And also Ferguson played the part in the recruitment of David Moyers. I think he's he's been there as you know. He's, he's, he's still Solskjaer. he's still paid by the club. Like he's still an ambassador, consultant, whatever you want to call it. He's I'm actually shocked that he hasn't stepped back in. I, I really am shocked that after one of these one of these. I mean, I know his health probably isn't up to it now, but after Moyes and maybe after Van Gaal, I really thought he might have stepped back in, even if it was just for a few months. Um, I I don't think his health would let him do it. Now. And he surely had involvement with the Solshire, um recruitment. Um, I'm sure he's had some kind of involvement there. Whatever it is, he's speculating. But you know, it it it, it doesn't. I I think you don't. You're holding on still to your past, then, aren't you? You're not moving to the fresh future. That's what yeah. we've done really well with Arteta. We moved into a totally fresh new era. Um, you know that you, you can see the intermediary time was Emery, um, which was never an easy time. Um, When someone was just coming in after Wenger, it wasn't a really great time at the club. We'd fallen out of the Champions League. You know, for all all Emery's faults, it wasn't an easy, easy thing to come into. And then you had these players that he had to deal with, which were from the Wenger era, which were not easy to deal with. It took us ages to get rid of them. Um, So you've got all of that. But now you have a fresh new era. I think you have to totally. But Wenger seems like that kind of person, though. He's not as I. I, I get the impression. I'm, I would maybe I'm going a bit far with Fergie, but he does bring that element of narcissism to him. Um, Wenger doesn't seem like that. He seems humble enough to admit, right? I shouldn't be around. I should part ways um, and not milk the limelight. I think Fergie was was kind of that person who loved all of that. And would love his legacy to stay forever as well. 
I think that's got to be hard, though, right? When you're that good at your job and you've meant that much for so long, it's got to be hard to just walk away. I mean, the fact is mm. that if you look at Manchester United's managers since Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson would still do a better job than them. And I think this is the difference here. Arsene Wenger's magic had long since waned, right? He, he overstayed. Alex Ferguson won the title in his last season. Ferguson's magic wasn't waning. He was still winning. Now, there's reasons for the Wenger thing. Obviously, you know, we were, we had the, it was the whole money revolution in the game. We had our hands tied. That, that stuff is all true. But the fact remains that under Wenger, we had slipped out of the Champions League spots. We weren't even close to challenging for titles, really, except that one stupid year when Leicester won it. Other than that, we weren't ever close. So... I think with with Ferguson, it's probably harder for Ferguson to step away because he's still better than all them guys. Like Arteta right now would coach Wenger off the pitch. It, it's not even close. Whereas mm. I think Ferguson, he's still a better manager than anyone United have had since. Mm. Well, it, it goes down to the thing about maybe what was what, where the parallels between the Cronkies and the Glazers um, were, not now, but were. So you had Ferguson who controlled everything at United. He was he was Mr. Man United, like Tony Adams is Mr. Arsenal. Wenger was the same for us. We always had this debate how much control Wenger had. And that was great for the owners because he was bringing in the money, not necessarily winning, winning championships, but getting us into the Champions League. They didn't have to worry too much. The money was coming in. Same for United. So I think once they left, there wasn't a preparation for it. So United ended up getting in all, you know, Jose Mourinho, Van Gaal, Moyers, Solskjaer, just managers who just were not up to it or anything. They they just did not have any preparation for these guys or any setup properly for these guys. We were kind of the same, I think, up until the point Arteta came in and then we made the right types of recruitments around him. Well, um, I, think, I think we did. I think we did try that. It, it, it is interesting if you look at the two clubs because we approached it completely differently, right? So mm. what Man United did is they went to Alex Ferguson and said, "Okay, so where do we go from here, right?" And like you said, it was Ferguson that handpicked David Moyes, right? So they went to Ferguson for that. What we did is a year, we gave Wenger a two-year contract, knowing full well they weren't going to keep him for two years, but they gave him a two-year contract. They brought in Mislintat and Saniehi to go along with Gazidis, right? And that was pure succession planning, right? That was all succession planning. I think what they, I think what they didn't maybe quite grasp was exactly how much power Wenger had, because when he went, the power grab and Gazidis walking out, obviously as well, was was another. I think it was great for us because I think Gazidis is one of the worst things that ever happened to Arsenal. But mm, terrible. But it, him leaving as well created that vacuum, and all of a sudden, Mislin Tat and Sanyaki are firing spitballs at each other from across the room. Do you know what I mean? And eventually, Sanyaki won. Um, again, <laughs> another disaster. But I think we did try. I think we just got it really, 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 really wrong. Um, and that that power was the power that Wenger left was just hoovered up by everyone. Whereas at United, they they really let Ferguson choose what came next, and in the end, neither neither approach worked. No, no, and and I I, I feel that maybe this is also 
come as a coincidence, but Josh Kroenke's involvement has increased over the last few years. And I think with him being more active, there has been a more hands-on approach from our ownership into who to get, who to pick, um, and perhaps learning from the mistakes prior to that. I don't know if that's... I, I can't speak for Man United, but I don't see that being the case on their end. And they seem to have a shambles of a management group around Ten Hag. They're uh, from their sporting... Um, their was it sporting director? The one Darren it, Fletcher, isn't it? Their sporting director. Uh no, who's the other one? I thought it was Darren ah. Fletcher. What's that? I thought it was Darren Fletcher that was there. No, a, it might be, but there's an uh, it might that might be the sporting, but there's a guy who does the transfers and I've heard his name a million times and I've, I've oh, forgotten. Not, um I mean Ed Woodward got the sack, didn't he? No, Ed Woodward went. Then the other yeah, it's it's an it's the guy who replaced him right. and he's been pretty poor. Um, in terms of what they've been recruiting and even their negotiations, a bit of a dick law to him. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll 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 get his name. It's, it's, it'll come to me. But you know, the bigger you are, the harder it is to turn the ship, right? Like like that's the thing. The bigger you are, the harder it is to change course. And I think that's mm. what we had in common. Um, and I, I think so. We've got there are clear lines in this for us. I think the first one. The first one is Usmanov getting out of the club, right? I don't think we realised at the time how bad Usmanov was for us, but there yeah, is a clear difference. now. <laughs> yeah, there is a clear difference between Arsenal with Usmanov owning 38% of the shares and Arsenal with Usmanov not involved. A clear difference. Because there was, mm. no, there was no incentive for the Cronkies to have us win under Usmanov. Mm. It would just cost them money. So... Him being out of the picture is a big deal. Josh coming into the picture is a big deal. And Sanyehi getting out of the picture is a big deal. And then Tim Lewis is the other one. Tim Lewis yeah. and then the appointment of Richard Garlic, I think, has really, really reshaped. Then obviously, you know, obviously you've got you've got Arteta as well. But there, you know, it's pretty clear how important those those things have been for us. And like Everton are, Everton are about to appoint Raul Sanyehi as their sporting director. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we might be able to get rid of Nicolas Pepe now. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that. That's pretty incredible. It's like they have not read. Um, they they've not even looked into his history or anything. It's so strange. Yeah, because he yeah. left Arsenal very acrimoniously. There's a lot to be. There's a lot about that. Pepe. I think we all we all know he had his hand in the cookie jar. Right, yeah. Like we all yeah. know that you can't. I, I just did say it out loud, I guess, but you shouldn't say it out loud. But I think we all we all know what what was going on there. So, mm. it, it, past this is a, this is a question that we we didn't really get into last week, and I kind of wanted to. Do you remember when we were building the Emirates and Gazidis come out and he said, "This is so we can p- compete with Bayern and Real Madrid." Catalyst for change, right? You remember all that? Oh, how can then, I forget? Well, then we went from that. To well, Leicester's quite a good model. Yeah, and, yeah. But what we're seeing now is the fruits of the labour, right? It's taken us 17, 18 years to get here. But what mm. we are seeing now is that bare fruit. We now can compete with about anyone in Europe. You're, you're watching it now. We're about to sign a player for £105 million after signing someone for £65 million. And there's another guy walking through the door for £45 million in the space of a month. So you've seen mm. the financial power that we've got. 
this is what we were sold, right? Because for years, we've all thought we were sold a pup, right? All of us. But this is what we were sold. It's what we were sold. Um, but at the same time, what we're seeing is not just transfers, which are just for a lot of money. Because on in isolation, you can look at them and say, oh, my God, look how much you're spending. Another, this a record fee. It's the highest British, uh, highest paid for a British player, all of that stuff. But there's actually a method behind it. There's a reason that we're targeting these players because we're seeing the progression ourselves over the last two years. So it's real strategic identification of players to meet the system that we have and to meet the ideology that the manager wants to bring. That's something we haven't seen for a long time because, you know, you can question what was the point in buying Lacazette and Aubameyang? Why did you buy both? Like what, what? What was the what was the point of getting Gazidis out to Germany and then paying a, a phenomenal amount of money for an Aubameyang? Why was that done? There was no foresight. Even Urzel, you could question what was what was the reasons behind that? Because I think at that time we were in for Iguain, and Iguain seemed more appropriate for our front line and what we needed at the time than someone like Urzel. So, you know, there seems to be a lot of, a lot of, even as fans, when we sit and we discuss, oh, this player would be pretty decent for our system. Or well, you've said many times, Declan Rice would be amazing for us. That's exactly who we've gone out and bought. So it, there seems to be some actual planning. There seems to be a, a, a real philosophy. They, they're totally sold on what the manager wants to get. They're backing him 100%. It's not fuzzy thinking anymore. This we haven't seen for years. We have not seen until probably the first 10 years of Wenger's time when he was identifying players specific to the team to, for what he felt we needed. Well, I think we went through a long spell, right, of just desperately trying to stay in the Champions League. And to me, all of those signings just stink of that. It's just desperation. Do you know what I mean? Like every one of them signings was, it wasn't anything to to do with building a team that could compete or do this and that. It was just get this guy and hopefully he can fire us into the Champions League. We had years where it was Aaron Ramsey. We had years where it was Alexis. It was one player dragging us into fourth spot by the skin of our teeth every year. And it was it was desperation. And we're just in a different place right now. I think it's harder a lot of the time to maintain than to build, right? Like if, if we win the title this year, let's just say we do, the year after then becomes harder, I think. Yeah. And I think that's where we were. We were so desperate not to fall out of the Champions League spots that we didn't think about building anything. It was just all about desperately trying to cling on to that last Champions League spot every year and it's you know you saw the damage it did long term it did massive amounts of damage long term we paid 35 million for Skodran Mustafi mm-hmm. it, it was just it was just desperation by after desperation by just trying to cling on to fourth spot 72 million for Nicolas Pepe um what um or, or you know we had summers where Pia Cech was the outfield signing that we wasn't even he's, he's a goalkeeper that we signed. Yeah, yeah, no Friday. outfield players that summer. Yeah, when we had a great goalkeeper at that time, who was yeah, who we was, downgraded goalkeeper. We, we downgraded did. goalkeeper. We absolutely did. So very strange decisions, and I, sometimes I felt that no matter. I'm not just blaming Wenger because 
it's it's all that comes with it. But I felt that Wenger was not was a stubborn. We all knew that he was stubborn. He always had his way and whatever, whatever. But there was a point when either it's him or those above him were trying to satisfy a fan base, which is talking about spending money, right? But instead of spending that money appropriately for the players that we needed or build something, it was just big money signings on players that really we didn't, that didn't make any sense for the, for, for what scene that we needed at the time. I'm going to use Aubameyang as an example, Mustafi, just very, it seemed like it was kind of a little bit like what Chelsea are doing, but on a much smaller scale. Just getting a mismatch of players all together because you want to get back as for you say, or they're, they're going to satisfy the fan base, but it's just not how it works, is it? Because it actually became more detrimental. And to clear that out took years. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did take years. And and we're, we're you know, we're lucky that the board backed Arteta to the point where he was allowed to do this to do this rebuild because most people wouldn't. And we were talking last week, we wondered out loud if the, uh, if it hadn't have been for COVID, would Arteta have been given that amount of time? Because you remember when he was having his really bad spell, there were no mm. fans in the stadium. And I think that definitely, that definitely helped him. It definitely helped him. There not I, got any a, fans there. I got a question for you. It's was, it was one I've thought about a few times. Do you think Arteta would be, half as good if we'd got him the first time round when we had the opportunity to get him? Or do you think that time at Man City benefited him to be the manager that he is now? So we actually spoke about this before. I don't think there's any chance in hell that Arteta is still Arsenal manager today if he comes in straight after Wenger. I, I think we needed that buffer. I think Emery was the perfect man for that buffer because no one really ever took to him and it was easy enough to bin him off. Um, he's done all right out of it, so he's he's fine. Everyone wins, but I do not think that I I think the, the I don't know if the extra year helped Arteta or not. From everything we heard, his interview was great, um, but Sanya he wanted wanted Emery, but I I don't think Arteta would be Arsenal manager now if he'd have got that job the first time round. I agree. I think I think the task was also much bigger as well for him, um, and the time he would not have been given the time either. By the way, just to not that it's anything important, but the uh, the um, the Man United guy I was thinking of this is this new CEO. He replaced Woodward. Is Richard Arnold? That's oh, okay. I'd never even I'd never even heard of him. Yeah, I've heard about him a few times because a lot of Man United fans have complained when transfers fail. So yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, indeed. Okay, mate. Well, listen. Let's uh, let's come back after the break. Um, we'll just uh, run away, have a cup of tea, whatever, and uh, we'll see you after the break. Sounds good. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are The NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. So, Pass, we managed to go the entire first half with uh, our almost mentioning Declan Rice. I think his name only come up a couple of times, but for all intents and purposes now, we've had the here we go from uh, from Fab. So we're um, we're basically there over the line, and it seems like the timber one is too. 
uh, two massive moves early on. Really good. And that that's, you know, if you go back to what we talked about in part one, that's also been a big difference um, in the way that we're doing transfers. We're getting them done quickly and early. Uh, I know Declan Rice sounds like it's been going on for, for years, but in the context of where we are in the pre-season, we haven't really started yet. So to have already three players in the door, high-profile players, um, in the door before we do all of our tours is also a big change to what we've been used to in previous years. Cause I remember in when we waiting for that transfer window to close and then, you know, the, the, the shopping cart and putting in as many players as we could get. It's none of that real desperation that we used to see. And we seem to be holding tight on negotiations. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. I'm really, really pleased. I'm, I'm really intrigued by Timber as well. Obviously, Declan Rice, we all know because we see him play. He plays for England and we see him in the Premier League. But um, being um, my dad speaks very highly of, of Timber. I'm quite surprised Man United. He was actually, I, I, yeah, I get mixed reports on this, but I think it was him or Martinez that they wanted to get and they opted for Martinez maybe because he didn't want to go or for X, Y, Z, but he's definitely for me, the better out of the two. Um, and he's um, versatile. And looks like we've got him in for that right back role. So we really intrigued to see how that works out. If he starts, if he's just competition or what Arteta has planned for him, but um, really exciting to see what happens. Yeah. It's been an amazing start. I mean, this is definitely a 10 out of 10 start. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think now though we've we've got to see some players going out, haven't we? I mean, I saw yeah. today that there's there's five clubs um, interested in in Balogun. I just have a feeling that Balogun's coming on the US tour, and we won't see any movement until they get back from that. I, I don't think you sell the US number nine before a US tour. It, it makes more sense to keep him on that. Mm. And I do think as well there's a chance that Arteta's really working behind the scenes to try and keep him. Um, because I don't think we want to let Balogun go. I just think Balogun wants to go and go and play. Um, but there's, but they, he's the only one really that I've seen any 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 real links with. You, have you seen anything else about outgoings yet? Seen, seen a few rumours about Tavares um, that there've been a few teams interested in him. A uh, um, little bit about Lakonga. Nah, I think Lakonga was more him wanting to leave rather than anything. Yeah, I think he anything came out, didn't he? He, he said yesterday, I don't know who he was talking to actually, but he said yesterday that um, he he's going to be playing first team football somewhere next season. He just doesn't Do you think know he was to Eddie and Ketia? Or... <laughs> <laughs> just in the canteen. Yeah. Because we all know he'll get shot down if he says anything like that to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But I think that he's, you know, he's he's going somewhere. We just don't know where. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that to be a loan. Again, I, I don't, yeah. I just, you know, I don't think it's not that I think we won't sell him. I think we're hoping for a, a good loan that will, you know, really boost his value up a bit, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does if it's successful. But the last um, the last loan he had wasn't. So if it's a successful loan, we can see what it can do. Look what it's done for Balogun. His, his well, value it. is now... It's- it's about picking the right club. And I think he was unlucky mm-hmm. last time, no pass, because, you know, when he went to Palace, Patrick Vieira was in charge and Patrick Vieira was picking him every game. And by all accounts, he was actually doing a decent job at Palace. He was looking good. That's true. And then, you know, Vieira gets the sack and in comes Hodgson. Hodgson doesn't fancy him. He, he wasn't Hodgson's player. 
um, and all of a sudden he's back to square one again. So I think, you know, the Burnley stuff has been mooted a few times and it is a kind of a little bit two plus two because company's there. But that does make a lot of sense, right? If you can send him to a manager that, that wants to play him and, and where he can really stand out. And for Burnley as well, a holding type midfield player is going to stand out, right? Like, do you remember when Callum Chambers went to Fulham and got their mm-hmm. player of the year? Because you're going to stand out in a team like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it sounds like the type of team that would work for him. You know, it, we're looking at teams that have been newly promoted, teams kind of near towards or, or going to be battling out from the relegation or staying up. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't think he's, um, I don't think alone is a bad idea, but I think it's again, coming down to next year, then you have to either make it, you've got to make a decision. You're either selling him or on the cheap, um, if you can get something for him, but there's no point putting him on another loan after that. Um, Balogun, Balogun will be interesting to see because, um, I think we, we've slapped a price tag on him at 50 mil. Um, which seems excessive, I think, but that's maybe just trying to see what what we could get from. But I think we're reluctant about that. I agree with you. I I feel knowing Arteta, he probably would want to keep him. But I think you you have to have him ahead of Eddie, though. There's no way that you can convince him to stay. Firstly, it's going to be hard with him not being a permanent player, not going to be the number nine. And secondly, then telling him he's going to be behind Eddie and Ketia, it's it, I just can't see him committing his future to that. But he could sell him on him being the competition to Jesus. That's possible, I think. Um, but um, yeah, he, he'll be going on the tour. Be good to see if he does perform on that. Um, the Shaka, obviously, um, we've now somehow squeezed out another 10 million out of them. I was always unsettled by that price tag anyway. It was just so ridiculously low. He's 30, but in like fantastic, come off a brilliant season now seems a little bit more conducive to what he he should be they should be forking out so he'll be going it'll be interesting to see the rest i mean i don't see anything about tierney i see nothing about holding um so it it, it will be quite interesting how much we can get for the players and who goes ultimately yeah i mean i i think just makes a point that i think a lot of these players are going to go late and i think he's right um i have seen a loan move to Besiktas. Um, discussed for Rob Holding. I don't know why you'd loan Rob Holding. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I've also seen Celtic linked, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know Celtic could afford his wages. Um, and beyond that, you're right. There's not been there's not been a lot of links at all. And I think it's one of them where I think we do have to try and get some of these players off the books before we can really bring anyone else in. I said mm. that a lot of the um, I think we wanted to make some of these signings before some of these players could go. Um, I the Partey one. What do you think's happening there with Partey? I mean, I would be more than happy for him to stay another year. Um, I think he'd be fantastic to have as as like not not necessarily cover because I don't think that's fair to him. Um, but as an as an alternate for Declan Rice, I don't see him playing together. But I think it would be a, he'd be a good alternate for for Rice. But I I don't know that he's going to want that. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, 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 I'm not keen on him being sold, to be honest. I mean, if we got an astronomical number for him, which was just blows any offer we could have thought out, thought of for him, then I can see it. But I, I just don't see how that makes footballing sense. I get from a business angle, if you get 40 million plus, it's close to what we paid for him. 
Um, but I don't see from a footballing perspective because, yes, we'll look at party and we'll analyse the last three months of his performance of that season. But we it, it can also override the fact that he did have some really good months for us and he was important in our team um, and can be good competition at least for that position and good for maybe certain European nights. Who knows? Um, so I, I don't know. I find that a bit bit weird that we'd be so keen to to sell him. I don't think that is the case. I don't see, I think you raised it, which I agree with you, which we'd spoke offline, was about Lavia being being a potential target if we sell party. But why does it have to be like that? Why can't he be brought in being 19 and have a season where he's more a peripheral player, builds up that experience, learns from players like party, Jorginho and, and Rice in that team to then suddenly develop into that role? Problem I think is the, the problem, though... Well, the price takes a lot, but not only that, you can't have 100 players. Do you know what I mean? You cannot have four players looking at one position. You just you just can't do it. It's too much. If you've got Jorginho, Partey, Rice, and then you've got Lavia as well, all trying to get one spot, there's not going to be that much rotation next season. So where are you getting these guys to play in time? You just, mm. You're just not. I think the only way that works... One of them at least would have to go, you know, and, and maybe if we got an offer for Jorginho, it could be Jorginho. But yeah, someone would have to go. You couldn't have four players, four players for that position. You just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's the thing. And um, I mean, there's um, there's a thought process. Yeah, I would think probably Jorginho then, but um, there is a thought process. If you keep these players and don't sign someone like Lavia, who's only 19, then you miss out on that player because ultimately Liverpool will get him or someone else. But well, I think I, that's I, what's I, going to happen. If Partey, if Partey doesn't go, I don't see any way in the world that Lavia gets signed. No, no, I agree. I agree. I, I would keep Partey, to be honest. I think it's the easiest solution. I don't, I, 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 I feel. Perhaps it could be beneficial for him that there's not this dependency on him in this role, because I think throughout the season we're always on tender hooks about oh god he's going to go to the African nations or he's um, oh that's going to be three games in a row that Party has to play surely he's not going to make one of those or we've got Man United in two weeks will Party be fit we won't really have to have that thought process anymore because we're going to have our mainstay player there so actually having him there as someone who's to- absolutely able to fit that role and be more fit and be more available might benefit him more than it does when he plays too many games. Because as you know, he can't last 90 minutes anyway. So I think this is going to be um, like the Balogun situation. I think this is going to be one of them that's down to the player. Because mm. I, I think it's, I don't think Arsenal are going to go out and look to move Thomas Partey on in the same way. I don't think they're going to really want to go out and move following Balogun. But if the player wants to go, I don't think they're going to stand in his way. Now that you know Rice is already in or, or about to be in, and with Balogun, you know Jesus is is going to start the season as the clear number nine. I I don't think we'll stand in these players' way. If I don't, I don't think we're going to go looking for it, but I think we'll say to their agent, you know what, if he wants to go, go find someone to bring us an offer. Yeah, yeah. But I think it will be like, for me, it will be like Shaka. Where if he really wants to, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, if you if you really want this move, okay, well, you could better get that number then. Because we're yeah. not going to let you go on the cheap. If it's 40 million that we're, we're being... Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the shit about Juventus. 
I, I don't see that. How the fuck are Juventus going to fall No, whenever these Italian teams are involved, it's always the lowest possible um, number you can think of. Because when, when they, uh, I mean, listen, Pulisic has had his problems. Well, when they're offering something like fifteen million for Pulisic, yeah. Well, look at what look at what um, <laughs> look at what Inter Milan are offering Chelsea for for Lukaku. They just they sold him for a hundred million two seasons ago. And now they want to loan him back with a fifteen million option. To- yeah, it's it, 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 they're always penny pinching when yeah, it comes I, to. So, so I we can't expect anything from them in terms of a good fee. No, honestly, I think if Partey goes, I think it will only be Saudi Arabia. That that's my honest feeling on it. I agree. You I know, agree. I, and if he doesn't want to go there, okay, tough. Then you stick it out for another year, and then yeah, I, I just I don't see us getting the money from anywhere else, and I don't know if anyone's going to pay him the wages anywhere else and then it just comes down to does he want to carry on at Arsenal as more of a squad type player or does he want to go and retire in Saudi Arabia that's it and I I I I would think he's staying that's my hunch I think he's staying I think there's a lot of rumors about him it could be put out by his agent that he's in demand and all of this I don't know but I I just I I feel it doesn't make sense to get rid of one of the most important areas of the field where if Rice isn't available for a game or there's many games in succession and we have shitty friendlies for England or whatever, he could be very useful for us. Because one thing you've always talked about was like-for-like replacements, not backup, like-for-like. So that's that's it. This is how you get better. This is what I always say. You bring in Rice to take Partey's place, and then Partey becomes the Partey becomes the next man up. Whereas last year mm-hmm. it was Partey to start the season Laconga, and then at the yeah. end of the season it was Partey to Jorginho. There mm-hmm. is a much higher there is a much higher ceiling if you're going from Rice to Partey than Partey to Jorginho or Partey yeah. to Laconga, and that's that's how you that's how you get better. It's the same thing at right back, right? You don't get you you don't get better by just bringing in someone to just back up Ben White. No, you bring someone in who wants to take that spot. You bring in Urian Timber because he's looking at that spot and going, "I can take that." And then Ben White is the man who's coming in. You know that that's how you that's how you get better. It, 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 it also it also should I say should should improve the player that's playing in that current position anyway because I think what has happened with Party. And it's happened with a lot of Arsenal players in the past is because there's no one there. They know that anyone that comes in for their role is a downgrade. Yeah. They don't have to, sometimes they don't have to put a hundred percent. Yeah. There's no, there's no fire. Is there? There's there's a reluctance. Yeah. He, he knows now party that he's not the mainstay and he knows that we're now a team that's moving in places. We're in a champions league. We're going places. We're signing top players. So in a way, that hopefully, if he's got any form of desire and ambition, he will look at that as a positive, just like what Kivior said the other day. He says it's a good thing that we're signing quality players, even if they are in positions that challenges me. That's the way you've got to look at it. He is older, to be fair. So I guess he moving on to a, you know, you're getting into your 30s, you 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 don't maybe have the mindset of a 21-year-old because you don't have as much time. But if your option is Saudi Arabia and all it is is money, fine. But if it's something to improve your play and at least be in the top top level team in a top level league, then I don't see any reason why you'd want to move to Juventus or somewhere like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I am fifty fifty on whether he'll stay or not. But I will say, with what we're building, 
it must it makes all the sense in the world for him to say let's give it one more year all the sense well because these offers are going to be open next year Do you yeah know what I mean they, they, he's going to get these offers next summer so if I was him I would definitely be trying to give it one more year and he'd have one year left right yeah, yeah. Next yeah. summer he'd have one year left. You know, and we ain't we ain't giving him a new contract. I, I think there's, you know, everyone knows he's not going to get a new contract. So I do get from the club's point of view, if it's forty million, why they would be tempted by that. But I, like I said, I don't think they're going to go looking for it. And I, I, I am fifty fifty. I don't know where he's going to stay or go. But I, I quite, I would hope that he stays. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. Um, talking of uh, players that are going to be more involved, did you see uh, Tommy Asu and, and Big Willie are both back in training? Yeah, it was great news. Um, Tommy asked both. We thought might be a bit longer than uh, than expected. Um, uh, Saliba's obviously with the back, and uh, Tommy Yasu with with could ligament damage of some sort. So um, it's great to see them back. It, you know what we did last year again, which is a, a contrast to what we'd be experiencing many years before. Was we had a good preseason as well. It wasn't just the signings we made. We made I remember Zinchenko, Jesus. We made them all relatively early, um, but it was also how we built the team up in that summertime for the season. We were fully prepared for that opening game against Palace. So I, I like to see that we're we're adopting that model. Getting the players are in early. Um, the ones that had the injuries from last year are back, um, and then add that with a new signing. So hopefully we get another pre-season like we did last year. Because um, I remember us battering Chelsea 4-0. I have a good Chelsea, I know a good friend of mine is a Chelsea fan, went to see that game in Orlando and he said Arsenal looked really good. And I think that's when we saw Saliba in the central defensive position with Ben White rep, right back. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully we can, we can replicate that. Yeah, it's, it's funny, I was thinking about this. Does it seem to you that pre-season this year is like massively shorter than usual? I don't know if it's because of the World Cup, but like we literally go to Nuremberg. I think I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I think it's like the 13th or something. We go and play Nuremberg. Um, and then we jet straight out to the US. We play three games in the US. We're back home, Monaco in the in the uh, Emirates Cup. And then it's the Charity Shield. And it just yeah. it just seems really short to me. I don't know if it's the World Cup. I don't know if it's because I mean, you know, we've even been in the charity shield in the last few years. So I don't know what it is, but it feels like a really short preseason, this one. It does. It does. And and I, I, I guess it is to do with that. It is the world also remember we finished late as well. We finished in June, didn't we? Yeah, because of, the, because of the World Cup, yeah. So. Yeah, then you've got Champions League, FA Cup. You've and then got, we had so, the stupid um, Nations League friendlies. And you had that bullshit as well. So, you know, it, it, it did drag over. So it, it is definitely going to be a lot shorter. And that's why the preparation from our end is going to be really important because we have some quite... The initial games... What's our first game? Forest, right? Forest at home, first, yeah. First three games are pretty pretty you know we should win those games but it's after that where it can get a bit bit dicey so I think um I I do feel that we we with this time that we have we have to make sure it's used as much as possible but it does definitely it, it does seem shorter yeah it does do you see after um after we kind of get a few players out do you, do you think there's more to come this this summer from us transfer wise or do you think that's you think that's it now with the three players coming in i think what did we, did we all say five players when we were saying what was going to come in i can't remember someone might have said four but i think we were all on four or five yeah i, I 
think I, I, uh, you'd have to go back, but I think I said five. Five sounded about right. Um, I think there will be more, but it, it's all I, from what I'm seeing today in the reports is that, which seems logical, actually, it's all down to what we can get out. Um, so who leaves, how many leave, what we get for how, for the ones that leave. I think that will determine whether, but that's why getting the the main players through the three main players that we 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 had located as as um as key signings it's good to get them done now because the rest will be i think more bonuses and they will be a lot to do with what we can sell and and how how much we can get from all of those sales as well yeah i think we're in a really good spot right now we are if anyone comes in or not i mean i i think we've got a team i mean obviously we challenged last year i think we've got a team that can that can really challenge this year i think we can challenge the title and i think we can go far in the champions league i know i've seen a lot of people say oh well quarter final this that no i'm I'm not interested in a quarter final spot i think we're better than that you know i think that i think that the only the only team that played us off the park last year was Manchester City, who also played every other team off the park, and I think we've got mm-hmm. better. So I don't, I don't fear anyone in in Europe. I really don't. You, you don't go in the market, Gav, for probably one of the best England players and pay the highest transfer fee you've ever paid for a player, and the highest paid out. I think the second highest for a midfielder in the world. Um, if you if you're going to be looking for quarter quarterfinals of the Champions League, it makes it makes no sense. I think that I think and also you know what what needs to be highlighted. It's not just the signings; it's also the signings of the contracts that we've been yep. able to renew. Think about it. When have we been in this situation before? How many times do you remember in a summer when one of our main players was leaving, would not sign a contract, was out of the door. I, I, I mean, it hasn't happened over recent years because a lot of them we've needed to get rid of. <laughs> it's not really that we're yeah, wanting we them to stay. We need to yeah. get rid of them. But um, if you think of primarily the Wenger time when we had our key players, uh, Sanchez being the last one, I think. But yeah, how many how many times in a season when we... And we'd have a long, drawn-out affair as well. Theo Walcott waiting the whole season for him to sign and is he going to sign imagine it's such a contrast it's such a contrast in the efficiency and what we're talking about here and the way we're dealing with the players how we're dealing with them um and and getting them ultimately to believe in in what the manager believes yeah that's a key part of it too because yeah. Arteta is Arteta is an excellent communicator, right? They used to call Ronald Reagan the uh, the the great communicator, and I think mm. Arteta's Arteta's like from that mold because he's you know I'm not saying there's Arteta-nomics coming or anything, but these there's definitely he's got a way of explaining what he wants from people. They they said that when he met with Declan Rice in January February time and laid out what he was looking to do, that was it. He was sold. Erdegaard speaks so highly of him all the time about what he's, what he can do and what he what he lays out. Everybody is so impressed. He's a key key part of everything we're we're doing going forward. He he really is. He's fundamental to it. But also, yeah, I mean, Declan Rice. If, if you think about it, it was Man City we were up against. We all know the clout that they have, but they have arguably one of the best managers of all time. Right? It's arguably I say that. Um, and can be convincing, I'm sure. And, and it's pretty easy 
you'd think to convince a player um, that when you've just won the treble. So you've been up against that. You've been able to convince that player and make him a marquee signing. Then, I, I said this already, I hate to repeat myself, but I think Saliba as well was a big one. Think about it. The first few seasons, he was loaned out. It was, you know, there were problems. He wasn't settling. There was mistakes that we made with his loans. And, and then we basically had one season to solve all of that and make him believe in the project. You're talking about someone who has pull. He definitely does. And I know there's a clip in the Amazon documentary where Edu's talking to, I don't know who he's talking to, but he's talking about Arteta. And he said, there's something about, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he's talking about how he's able to, his his belief in his system and how he expresses himself. And he, he's just something different about that guy. It, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, it, it really is. And they're, they're, like I said, the communication and the way he comes across, we saw it from the minute he got into the club, the way he talks to the fans. He's first, you know, remember the first interview on Arsenal.com and it really got everybody going again. And I I just, there's definitely something something different about him and there's something different about this team that he's building. Um, next year, I mean, the sky's the limit for this group. I, I really do think the sky is the limit. Um I really do. I, I think it's. Um, I think we went into last season confident. We did. Uh, I, I'm confidence for me was getting in the top four. Oh, I was certain. Yeah, yeah. I and certain, I, I, I remember having the conversation with you, the back end of the pre the season before when we lost to Spurs three yeah. 0 and you said, and I totally was in agreement with you that this is the last of Spurs that we're going to see in their current um trajectory it's just going to be downhill now and this is this is us now going to overtake them it's exactly what we did the following season exactly as we thought it would happen happen but it superseded perhaps our expectations now we go into this season and say no 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 it's not second it's not second it's challenging for the league it's yeah. going out there and challenging for the league i cannot see any reason why not why this team cannot do that um, with the way things are going? The only thing that I wouldn't say worries me, the only thing I'm maybe not looking forward to, how good did last season feel? Do you know what I mean? That feel good was around the entire season. It was, it felt so good that the, you know, the the Bournemouth moment and the win over United and all that, it felt so good and it was euphoric. I think this season, the expectation is different. And I think that changes the feeling. I remember the difference between winning the double in 97, 98 and how it felt the next season. And to be honest, from every season then on in, because all of a sudden you're expecting to win. And I think that's where we are this season. And mm. it is a different, you still get enjoyment out of winning. Don't get me wrong. You still get enjoyment out of winning. But it is a different feeling. It is a different type of winning that you do when you are expecting it. When it is win or bust, it is different. And we haven't been here for a long time. There's a lot of fans that ain't even going to remember this. They ain't even going to remember the, the early 2000s when it was literally, we were literally expecting to win every single week. And when you didn't, you felt like hell. And when you did, it was just a relief. Yeah, and, and that's why it goes to the point of last season being so special because there wasn't maybe the expectation that we're going to be putting on ourselves this season, right? It and was you've a... got to savour it. 
you have to say you have to you've got to say that that's a once in a that is a once in a generation season that we had absolutely i think everything we talked about this many times on the pod but everything about last season from the link the connection with the fans from uh the song that comes in um before every game the identity that the fans have but not just that, the performances on the field, the players, how likable, they're everything. It's it's a once, like you said. Now, next season, the expectation's high. So there is going to be a certain, you know, pressure on the players, but there'll be pressure on ourselves as fans because we're going to look at that expecting wins. Huge pressure. Huge yeah. pressure on the fans. Yeah, especially with the signings we've made now. I mean, you, you talk about a statement of intent. That is a statement of intent. Um, but at the same time, I also feel a certain relaxation about it because I'm really believing in this manager. And I think I felt like that with Wenger when we won the first, um, we won the Premier League for the first time. Um, and I did have a belief in who he was bringing in. I had a belief in when we would go out, except maybe in Europe, but in the Premier League itself, I did have a belief in him. So I think it's kind of, now that's happening with Arteta, there is a real belief in who he identifies as players, who what he wants to do. Because if you think, if you can convince the Declan Rices of this world, this is the place to be, then you have to feel that this is a manager that knows exactly what he's doing um, and where where he wants to take us. And that's exactly it. The the everyone can see, unless you don't want to see. Everyone can see where we're going, but it is funny how the narrative switched overnight, wasn't it? We were uh, we were a fluke season that we're going to struggle to the top four, and all of a sudden now anything other than the title is mm. a failure. The uh, the media yeah. and they are they are loving this. Oh, they're 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 loving it, but but I think um, I think also what people are understanding this is a different Arsenal. It's a totally different Arsenal from where, you know, when we were doing, you know, when we went in for Rice, I guess there were, even probably for us, there was a thing as, ah, this is not going to end well. This is going to be another Mudrick. I had that. Uh, City are now involved. Oh, shit. Here we go. But it didn't. It ended up coming. He ended up coming to us. We ended up putting in our best offer that we could. And we got it over the line. And we got the installments that were more favourable to us than what West Ham wanted. I think also what what the Urian Timber has come out in the Dutch media and said that Arsenal is the team he wants to play for. Now, yeah, he said for he me, had no interest in Bayern Munich, right? Was it Bayern Munich? And he was Bayern like, Munich. Oh, no, yeah, not, he's not probably interested. seen he's probably seen Gravenberg and thought, "What the hell? Why would I go there and waste my time on the bench?" But he's he also was spoke to spoke spoke to Arteta. He's probably followed Arsenal from last season. If if you've got an Ajax graduate saying that about Arsenal, there's no bigger compliment for me because they come from a history of great football, great talent. Uh, you know, so it just tells you there is something going on there that we have not seen, um, or probably never seen as as supporters. Yeah, and I think part of it as well, we've got the best winger in the world. And I do think it's a pull to play with Bukayo Saka. I really mm. do. I think these players want to play with Bukayo Saka. I think mm. he's going to, to me, he's one of the stars of this generation. And I think people want to play with him. Yeah, well, we got we got Martinelli as well. But I think with, with Saka, Saka and Rice have a great relationship with the England setup. 
So, you know, there's also, they talk amongst themselves, don't they? You know, he's definitely had conversations with uh, Rice about it. He's probably asked him, you know, what is it like there? How is it? Um, you know, they all we we think that they're just robots and they <laughs> they don't have any discussions. Of course, they've talked about it. There is it's not just Arteta that sold him. He's also been sold by the players that play for Arsenal as well. Um, so I, I you even look at I don't know. This sounds really trivial and it's a very basic thing. But even look at the players, how happy they are when they sign for us. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the side by side of Havertz when he signed for us and Havertz when he signed for Chelsea. Yeah, Mudrick. Fucking hilarious. Yeah, and look at Mudrick. It, yeah. It's just, you know, they, they obviously know they're coming to the right place. The place to be, I think. Yeah, I think it's got that feeling about it, hasn't it? It's got the feeling that this is the start of something. And mm. I think it's the start of something that a lot of these guys want to be involved in and and we're ahead gab we're ahead in the transfer market at the moment in the business we've done okay liverpool have done pretty well i think they've they've gone in and i they've they've located the players they won no nonsense but if you think of the teams that are up there around man united are in turmoil um city are going to be city so um but besides that liverpool and, and the rest i think are all playing catch up with with their the thing with, with, their the thing with man city right i don't know where they go to go higher do you know what I mean? Like, like, how do you? I just, I just feel like whoever they sign, it's the challenge for us remains the same. I just don't know that they can get better than what they were, especially in the second half of last season. So mm. I think the challenge for us remains the same. What they do in the transfer market is is almost immaterial to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I I brushed on them when I refer more to the other team. I think Liverpool is the only other team I looked at their their transfers so far, and they're quite smart and they're quite relevant. Chelsea are contain... almost entirely out, right? Who, who did they bring in? I know that um, Nkunku came in, right? Because he was. I know that deal was already done. Yeah, um, that's it. I think there's. I think some Brazilian. Oh, oh no, they Williams. brought they Nicola brought um, Jackson Martinez. Jackson Martinez from Villarreal. Was it Villarreal? The forward that they paid his release clause, Jackson Martinez. That's it. That's it. Um, and and I guess they're going to be in for Caicedo. That's that's all the rumours are about. Yeah. Chelsea might be a little bit different because it's Pochettino there, and they are shipping out a lot of players. But it is quite interesting. The players were are quite desperate to leave them because Mount is no small. Th- I, I'm not his biggest fan, but this is a Chelsea boy. This is like Saka leaving us in terms of how long he's been at the club. So it's quite interesting that he wanted out, um, you know. So I feel there's also something quite toxic in that club, which is also, leading players to be happy to leave. They're also doing it a different way, right? Because we're used to Chelsea buying the finished article. And it mm-hmm. seems now that a lot of the players that they're getting rid of are the finished article players. And a lot of the players they're bringing in are more of the projects. And maybe this is the ownership switching. Maybe this is, at some point, we said at some point they're going to have to turn a profit. They are owned by uh, they are owned by an investment company. They're not going to be able to keep losing hundreds of millions of pounds. They're going to have to turn a profit at some point. And maybe mm-hmm. that's the point with these young players that they're, that they're bringing in. You know, they're the, the young kid from Villa actually looks like quite a good player. Chuck, well, I can't remember his name. Um, and then Madueke, the winger, looks like a pretty good. Yeah, player. he's decent. And he's decent. you know, and obviously a lot of the players they've bought. Enzo's still pretty young. Um, they're bringing in a lot of younger players, which is not the way Chelsea have been. So they're, it's interesting. They're they're not 
they're not the same force that they were before. But that could that could tie into why they got Pochettino as well because he has been known. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it is with, with young players. Yeah. So yeah, and I, he struggled. I, I, he struggled at PSG with that changing room full of all them egos. So yeah. you know, it makes sense if you're going to get him in to try and clear some of the some of the. I think I think Kaiseido would make a difference for them though. I think if you've got him and Enzo in the midfield, I think that I think Chelsea, if they change tact like they seem like doing, they could still pull it off with a reasonably good window. Um, but um, but as for the rest, I, I, I'm not worried or bothered about them. No, I'm not bothered about the business Newcastle have done. I'm not bothered about nah. Spurs. Don't don't really interest me in the slightest. So I think it's um, yeah, I think next year it's it's going to be a challenge. I think we're we're definitely I think we're definitely just behind just behind Man City, right? I think when mm. uh, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the odds for next season or anything yet. I don't even know if they're out yet. It's only July fifth, but. Um, I I don't suppose we're Man City will be favourites, obviously, and probably clear. But I would guess we're going to be second favourites, right? Head of Liverpool. We're going to be second favourites, I'm pretty sure. But so we will have one season more experience challenging for the title. I think that makes a difference. I know they talk about being being a title winner, how that makes a difference than when you're challenging. But we challenge for it now, and I think we can go in there hungry again. Um, giving us more incentive to win. And we've got a Champions League also to look forward to. So it's going to be a really exciting season, I'm sure. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, mate. Well, thanks a lot for uh, for joining tonight. And um, it was a really nice chat. And we yeah, will was good. get together again probably at the start of next week. Sounds good. All right, mate. Good. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.